I think one of the things that I love most about this job is helping to facilitate some otherwise difficult conversations, whether it is between spouses or uh, intergenerational families, that people just don't know where to get started. Welcome to the Trusted Partner Podcast, hosted by Jesse Kramer and Gabe Chodak. Jesse and Gabe are relationship managers at Cobblestone Capital Advisors, a comprehensive wealth management firm that serves families and individuals in all aspects of their financial lives. All opinions expressed by Jesse and Gabe or any podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Cobblestone Capital Advisors. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Cobblestone Capital Advisors may maintain positions in securities discussed in this podcast. We want to hear from you. Send us an email with questions, suggestions, or content ideas to our email address, podcasts at cobblestonecap.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the Trusted Partner Podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Jesse, really excited for today's episode. One of the things that, that we do here on the Trusted Partner Podcast is talk about finances and we do it in our jobs every day. Um, but a lot of people have conversations not as frequent or not at all about their finances with different people in their life. And so I think this was a really important episode to address some of those conversations, what they are and how to approach them. Yeah, exactly right, Gabe. I think sometimes I take it for granted because we are having these conversations so much and, and we're so used to the, maybe the subject material and that that maybe what's easier just kind of every day for us is is hard for a lot of people out there and even you know you and I talked about some of these conversations in our own lives when we have those personal relationships and those personal emotions involved they can be really challenging conversations so I'm glad we were able to dive into a, a few different ideas today you know whether it's the different types of conversations that you can have or or just the, the people in our lives and, and the various roles we play and, and how those play a part in these kind of conversations. And I'd love for our listeners, if after listening to this, you have a great story about a conversation or something you're trying to start a conversation with someone but haven't been able to, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear the stories. We'd, we'd love to help in any way possible. I absolutely agree, Gabe. Absolutely. We'd love to hear from you guys. So with that, let's dive into episode 40 of the Trusted Partner Podcast. All right, Gabe. So we're, we've got some notes in front of us and we've been brainstorming and kind of talking about this offline. And I think we agreed a good place to start is almost with the who of the who, what, when, where, why kind of questions, because a lot of different characters can be involved in challenging, sometimes challenging financial conversations. So who do you think of when it comes to some of the important financial conversations in our lives? Yeah, Jesse, it, it's really interesting because I think sometimes too, we in our profession take for granted the ability to have some of these conversations since we do it all day, every day. Um, but when you think about who you might be having a financial conversation with, it, it really can be anyone. I and mean, most normally, it can be our spouses, uh, our partners, our parents, um, our children. 
our siblings, and even our friends and trusted advisors, and, and they all take on different meaning. Since you started working with Cobblestone and made your career change, what have you noticed? Did, what types of people had conversations with you previously about financial topics? And then, you know, who has now? Has, has any of that changed? Yeah, interesting question. I'm sure it's changed a little bit, but the one most noticeable change that jumps to the front of my mind is just the frequency of those conversations. I think the number of people in life who maybe I already did know, or maybe they already would ping me with a little question here or there because they maybe they knew some of the writing I was doing on the outside or something like that. Now, uh, I'm just having a lot more of those kind of conversations of just whether it's you know a question about the stock market, a question about taxes, a question about estate planning. Um, it's just coming up more and more often. It's really been a frequency change for me. How, how about you? I would say same. It, it's really interesting how many people who, even if you just meet them, want to share something or pick your brain about something um, financial. Again, a lot of very simplistic single stock conversations, um, which are always interesting. And it's just great to, to, it's very insightful to hear where people are coming from as it, as it gives good, again, like good context almost yeah, it, to their it thoughts. Gives good context into, you know, human behavior and human thoughts when it comes around finances. Um, but I think one of the things that I love most about this job is helping to facilitate some otherwise difficult conversations, whether it is between spouses or uh, intergenerational families that people just don't know where to get started. And I think that's something we could dive a little bit more into and, and talk a little bit more, um, just how, how to kind of spark those conversations, how to have productive conversations about finances uh, with various people in your life. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And, and it's just funny, Gabe, there are a lot of different types of conversations too. And I'm just thinking of the subject matter itself and some of the conversations that say like Kelly and I have had or I've had with my my brothers or I've had with my parents. And it's the people, but then it's also just the topics. And, and some topics are easier to talk about than others. And for example, I think a very common conversation that a lot of people have with their partner, their spouse is the spending conversation. Hey, you know, what, what are we spending every month? What are we spending money on? And do we agree that's, that that's right? Is that what we want our spending habits to look like? Well, that's a much different conversation than when, say, your parents sit you down for to, to, to inform you about how their will is written and to inform you of that estate planning conversation. It just has a different tenor, right? Partially because of the people involved, partially because of the subject matter. I mean, there are conversations about um, income, career-related conversations. You know, are, are we on the right career tracks? Do we want to change a career? Do we want to really push hard for that promotion because our household needs more income? I'm sure there are a couple other, you know, common topics that, that you can think of too. Yeah, and, and those really are, when you think about, you know, spouses is a great example. How you build a life together, uh, it changes. It is a consistently evolving adaptation and you need to make sure that you're having honest conversations whether it is your spouse whether it's your parents whether it's your children uh, if people take one thing from this episode I think it's the being honest 
and being non-judgmental. Um, that's how you can have the most productive conversations with whoever it may be. Um, you know, one that's really come up a lot lately in, in my life, especially my son, Christopher, um, turning nine in, in a couple weeks, really asks a lot of questions about money. Uh, a lot of questions about finances um, from baseball cards and how much they're worth to just flat out asking Patty and I how much we make. Um, and, you know, what's interesting is you know that these conversations are taking place outside of our walls as well. Um, and so there used to be this mantra of we don't talk about finances or you're too young or that's just not a conversation we're going to have to really, I think, and this is just how we approach it, having, having some more in-depth conversations about what's appropriate to share with certain individuals um, and also understanding you know, what basic finances look like. It, it can really be teachable moments, right? Instead of just dismissing, uh, you know, we don't discuss that, you know, this is what mom and I put into uh, our jobs. This is what we try and make, and this is what we value and how we allocate our resources. And you are a direct recipient of a lot of that. I, I know you read a book by it was Ron Lieber along that topic of, of financial conversations with kids. Did you find that book helpful? And then are you applying any of the lessons with your, your conversations with, with Christopher Elion? Yeah, great book called The Opposite of Spoiled. Um, and, and there's other books out there that are on my reading list. Uh, and as a side note, there's a lot of great resources out there. And I think people who have questions about any of these should be consuming those. Um and a point I'll get to in a minute um, about another financial conversation, but back to the book first, uh, you know, really, really insightful. You don't have to agree with absolutely everything that's in there. Um, and certainly Patty and I don't, but um, really the emphasis on just truthful, honest, kids are really perceptive. They understand what's going on and they're having conversations with their peer groups as well at very young ages. So you'd rather have those conversations grounded in, you know, correct and factual information. I mean, obviously, you know, sums are hard for, for children to conceptualize. And so helping ground them in those conversations is, is really important and something that I definitely took from that book. Um, but that also brings up another topic, and I, I think, you know, Jesse, you're going to start having these with your peer group as you all start having children is, you know, talking with your peer group about how you talk to your children about money um, and likewise how you talk with your parents about it. And so even broaching those topics with your friends is another example of a financial conversation. Are, are you just saying, right, because it's different parenting styles can sometimes clash or, you know, you and Patty choose to be very open in some ways where maybe Kelly and I wouldn't. And is that, is that kind of what you're alluding to? Yeah. And even just seeking advice. I mean, it, it, it's okay to simply go to your friends and say, Hey, this conversation came up with Eliana. Um, we didn't really know how to respond. Have you had these conversations? What have you done? Or what's your experience in the past? Maybe your parents had, some types of these conversations with you. And so I think whenever you approach any financial conversation, if you approach it as a way to learn and gather more information, then it's going to be a productive one. 
Um, if you start to approach it as a way to try and project your values or your beliefs onto other people or to simply argue with people or be combative that they may have a different perspective, I mean, th there's no textbook to any of this. And so approaching each conversation with the willingness and the desire to just learn and be more informed is always going to be the right approach. Yeah. And that's where, depending on who you're speaking with and, and the prior relationship, that's where it can really get challenging because because relationships are complicated, whether it's with, with parents, with siblings, with our spouses. And it's very understandable. It's very human for sometimes outside emotions to spill over into this conversation in a way that you you hope they wouldn't, but but there they are. And, and the question comes up, and it's something that we've been talking about, Gabe, and been reading about, is, you know, this is the kind of conversation where as best as we can to address one another's emotions and, and, and acknowledge them, but try to keep the emotions out of the conversation, it's, it's really important to reaching a, a conclusive outcome. You know, emotion gets tied to finance, right? I mean, there's, there's a whole study on and whole subsection on, on finance, on behavioral economics. And so it is really difficult to remove our emotions, but at least acknowledging that they exist, acknowledging where we're coming from is, is really important, especially with some of those intergenerational conversations. Um, you know, remember, our parents, they were impacted by the way that their parents dealt with uh, finances. And so a lot of that, it's either a continuation of methodology and thinking, or some people went through uh, an absolute disaster and realized they never want to bring that upon their children. So it leads to all types of, you know, approaches from generation to generation. And we need to then think about and understand how our parents have impacted us and how that may impact the conversations we, we have with our children. I'm completely immune to what my parents did, Gabe. I don't know about you. <laughs> <laughs> kidding, kidding. No, it's, it's, that's super important. It's something that's really helped me, not only in financial conversations, right? I think it's just part of relationships in general, especially those intergenerational ones, is the, the realization of why my parents are the way they are, or, you know, for you, why your parents are the way they are and, and, and that impact on you because the impact is real. It's, of course, we all want to believe that we are the, the sole authors of our own life, but that's just not the way it is. And, and other people who had those meaningful relationships with us in our lives, I mean, they are responsible for the way that we've turned out in some ways. And it's important to realize that, to, to try to understand it and, uh, you know, in the long run, grow upwards and, and onwards from there. But let's talk, Gabe, I mean, let's talk about some of the nuts and bolts when it comes to preparing or executing some of these these challenging conversations at times. I mean, is there anything that, that comes to mind with, for you about, you know, let's talk kind of before the conversation happens, some of that preparation stage? Yeah, I, again, this is all very dependent on the type of conversation and, and who you're having it with. It is most of the time, a very good idea to inform someone of a conversation you plan on having with them or would like to have with them prior to that conversation. I, when you catch people talking about finances and you just bring something up and you're like, mom and dad, I want to know about this. 
you know, you're probably going to get a little bit more of a defensive response. Hopefully not, but that's just human nature. So if you can reach out, you know, if I want to have a conversation with my brother, hey, Adam, I'd really love to talk to you about this topic concerning mom. Um, you know, when is a good time for you to discuss this? And should we, you know, do a phone call? Should we get together over breakfast? What's, what's the best way for you to do this? So I think just letting people know the desire to have a conversation with them can help take down a lot of those defenses as well. And, and usually, you know, you may get some insight right there, right? It may be a, oh, we're not ready to talk about that, which is fine. Then you can start to strategize, but very rarely are they like, absolutely not. We're not talking about that. So you'll probably garner some great information from that. Right. So kind of easing your way into it. And I, you, you mentioned, you know, with in that hypothetical situation, you know, wh- where would you talk? I think that that can be important too, right? It's one thing if I'm, I'm at a party full of people and I go to Kelly and I say, hey, we, we should really talk about uh, our monthly budget. I mean, first off, that's stupid, right? Wrong place, wrong time. But of course, she's not going to want to talk about it there. And, and something we were looking at together beforehand is that uh, – both people need to feel really comfortable in the, in the setting itself. Or, or if it's more than both people, because that's another question, is some topics maybe involves many different parties. You know, if it is a family conversation, if it has to do with mom and dad's estate planning, well, anyone who's named as a beneficiary probably is going to want to be involved. And, and that's probably a good idea to involve all the parties because if someone's left out of that conversation, that feeling of being left out might ripple out into the future in a negative way. Jesse... A lot of fun at parties. <laughs> it, and this is where, too, those trusted advisors can really play a role in, in why, if you go back to a lot of our other podcasts, we talk about that trust in the relationship. You should be able to rely on your advisor to help facilitate some of these um, or at least seek their advice first. You know, go ask them, um, you know, how they've dealt with it because the chances are, you know, financial advisor or an attorney or a CPA has been a part of many of these conversations before, and they can perhaps provide some guidance or some talking points. You know, a, a thing that comes up often with us is, you know, maybe children and parents don't talk very often or at all about finances. Kids know something's coming to me. I don't know what, I don't know how, um, but you know, right now my concern is really funding my children's college education. And they have no idea whether the grandparents are going to help. They're going to fund it all. They're not going to do anything for it. Those can be really great conversation starters is making yourself vulnerable. You know, this is a concern for me. Hey, dad, I'm doing fine financially, but one of my biggest concerns is how I'm going to send Christopher and Eliana to college. I don't think we've ever had this conversation before, but did you have any plans to help? And if you did, could we discuss those? Because that would be really helpful for me figuring out my personal finances. Totally, totally. And right, whether it's whether it's sharing a story, sharing your situation, I mean, a big one, uh, it's kind of a cliche, but when it comes to like an estate planning conversation is like, hey, remember my friend John from high school? This just happened to him. His dad passed away. There was no estate plan in place. Now the siblings are fighting. 
And, and that made me think, Mom and Dad, that we should probably sit down. We should probably sit down with all the other siblings, too, because I don't want that to happen to our family. It's, it's very relatable, you know, and it's, it's much more approachable than just like, hey, Mom, hey, Dad, how much money am I getting out of your estate? Well, like, okay, that's just, it's very harsh, and no one's going on to answer that. But if you can shape it in some sort of story, if you can just relate it to real life and the real-life repercussions of not having these conversations or letting the sleeping dogs lie or sweeping it under the carpet, you want to avoid those things. And, and people do understand it, especially your loved ones are going to understand that. And it's interesting because so far we've really been taking the perspective of our generation either talking to our parents or talking to our children. Um, but for the matriarch and patriarch, you can have those conversations too. And sometimes it's a lot easier for you to start them. And I think sometimes there are things that are on your mind that you may be hesitant to discuss, but I can almost guarantee you, actually I can, a Chodak guarantee, I can guarantee you that your children are having their own conversations about it with their spouses or in their heads or with their advisors um, because they do have questions and it whatever happens will impact their life right maybe inheritance is going to change their tax bracket and they need to do proper planning now and maybe if you don't talk there will be money lost generationally because you two didn't have a conversation and really understand each other's finances maybe they are not worried about later on they they know that they're going to retire well but they really want to just spend time with you or maybe they're just fine and they really want you hey go fly first class go do these things that have been on your list we are fine we don't want you to plan to leave anything to us and and those are all appropriate and well-designed conversations that can really impact each other's lives. And so it, it starts with that first step of having that conversation. Jesse, what are some other ways that you found to make some of these conversations just more approachable? I, I'm queuing you up with a uh, I'm queuing you up with a question and I'm actually going to answer it first. <laughs> um, so hopefully this wasn't yours, but I have found that actually having scheduled meetings is, is a great way. Like you just, you know, it's happening, you know, with your spouse, right? Patty and I have a quarterly meeting. I prepare all the documents. I prepare everything, but it's a way for us to go through our finances, do check-ins, see what's on our each other's minds. And so the expectation's already there that we are having that meeting and that's a time. If there's no other better time, like we're just constantly at parties, then we know we will have that time once a quarter to, to have those conversations. Yeah, I, th I think that's a terrific one because, uh, you know, something we've, we've been looking at and when it comes to tips for having these conversations, I mean, one big one is you don't want anyone involved to feel ambushed by the conversation. So planning ahead, being on the same page, having that, if, it, if, it, if you need a schedule, by all means, like it, it should be a scheduled meeting. That's really important so that people can feel like they're opting in to the conversation as opposed to just Gabe brought it to my doorstep and he's got me pinned in a corner of this room and I can't get out of this conversation if I want to, right? You, you, you want to avoid that. Um, some other thoughts or some other tips. I mean, we already, we, we covered the emotions before. I, I think it's been, I think it's been really helpful for me because these can be emotional topics to just, 
do my best to keep my emotions uh, really low. And then also to, if other people involved are getting emotional, to, to recognize, to acknowledge that, but then also to try to steer around it if, if you can. It's, it's, a, it's a hard balance to strike, but it's, but it's important. I was unaware engineers have emotions. Um, Jesse, what about having com- these conversations or any conversation with one of your advisors, whether it's that CPA, your attorney, insurance agent, um, you know, wealth advisor, what, what are some of your tips? Because those are also conversations. What are some of your tips or thoughts around those? We, we shared a funny video with one another the other week that involved a, a hypothetical conversation with an advisor where the client was, was, was hiding information that slowly throughout the conversation would, would come out in a hint here or there. And that to me shows the real importance of trust in these relationships, Gabe. It's important that when you sit down with your advisor, when you and I are sitting down with our clients, that we trust them and that they trust us. So when we can, when they bring up a topic to us and we say, you know what, that's a terrific question. It's gonna involve this kind of information. I mean, can you share with me what that information is? We need to trust that they're sharing the whole picture with us. And then they need to trust with us that we're going to obviously keep that information confidential, that we're gonna do right by them. If that trust isn't there and that information isn't able to be shared in, in just a transparent and unemotional way, it's hard to get to the right answers in the long run. So I think that's something with me where over time it's become very important and apparent that we need to, you know, set clear expectations with our clients, and uh, and and the clients need to understand that, you know, that that needs to be transparent, and then that level of trust, so that information can be exchanged freely, in a helpful way. You you can't make decisions and recommendations in a vacuum, um, and this is something too. There there's many people who have multiple advisors and stuff in different places, and if you're worried that your advisor is going to be thinking about how I can get those assets and you know make money off of those, then you probably have the wrong advisor. You should be willing to share everything openly and honestly because your advisor should be helping make recommendations and helping make decisions with full information at hand. Otherwise, there could be a lot of things actually missing. And, and, and the same principle goes for these, these more interpersonal, whether it's friendly or family conversations too, because you can just imagine a scenario where, you know, mom and dad say to you, yep, yep, when we pass, there's, you know, a, a third of the estate is, is going to you and it's going to be about $300,000. Oh, but mom and dad don't want to tell you that they, they also have this, this money socked away for a rainy day and it ends up being a surprise on your doorstep when the, when the estate is administered. Like those things are important too. And, uh, you know, transparency really is, what's this, what's the saying? Transparency helps make things clear. As a wise man once said, transparency helps make things clear. (laughs) I think that was Gabe Chodak who said that. (laughs) The last thing people want is lack of communication leading to some sort of conflict or something where then their assets and their wishes aren't fulfilled because more was spent on legal bills than needed to be or an entire estate and this is more common than people would think but an entire estate was litigated and 
all of the proceeds ended up going to attorney's fees because people couldn't get along or people didn't have clear understanding about what they about what the true wishes were and and so again clear setting of expectations open and honest communication and continual conversation i think that makes things really um i think that makes things very workable when you know that it's an ongoing evolving conversation and you're going to touch upon it every so often or on a regular cadence you know that if there is some issue it can be brought up and there will be an appropriate time to bring that up yeah the ongoing part is is really important i mean how many stories have we heard of a will was written or an estate plan was put together 15 years ago well times change and and family dynamics change and that kind of situation where if there's no update or at least if there's no ongoing conversation those scenarios are ripe for a contested estate and, and nobody does want that. So, I mean, a, a client story from Cobblestone comes to mind with that, Gabe, of, uh, of a client who, who someone was sharing with me. Every couple of years, they write a letter, or at least they update a letter to their heirs, just acting as a reminder. Sometimes the letter doesn't have many changes in it at, at all, but it just expresses the, the wishes of the, of the older generation and the desires for how the, genera- the younger generation might choose to use this money and why it's going to them and how it's going to be dispersed. And just to make sure everyone's on the same page still. Very important. If you approach conversations with your kids and even your grandkids, then it should help. It should kind of serve as a self-fulfilling prophecy where people will continue to have those conversations. They know that there will be open communication. And so if you you know, take that approach of, hey, Christopher, we don't talk about finances in this house. Um, you know, we're not sharing any information with you versus, hey, I, I know you're nine and some of this is maybe more complex than you need to know, but uh, we're going to have some conversations now because I believe it's important that you learn and we're going to talk about what's important to mom and I. And these are the things, the values with money that we hope to pass on to you. You know, that will provide a lot of dividends, pun intended, in the long run. Well, Gabe, when the time comes, I'll be coming to you for tips and tricks when, uh, when 10 years from now, nine years from now, when I'm having conversations with my nine-year-old about our finances, okay? Perfect. You're, I'll, you're on I'll, the hook. I'll have you reference this podcast. <laughs> one, one more final thing, Gabe. Let's, let's just finish with this. After one of these conversations is complete, does anything come to mind about how to end the conversation? Awkwardly. Good start. <laughs> um. It, it, it's it's all context, right? Trust mm-hmm. trust your judgment, trust your feel. These aren't meant to be robotic. Um, I, again, as as you said, you want to remove emotions from it, but understand that these are people that you care about, people that you love, and it should not be some you know structured conversation where you can't have that emotion and feel to it and. I would say it's it's always better to just end in a way where you're really appreciative for having the opportunity to learn more. I, I, I like that answer a lot. I will say, not that it has to be robotic. I, I think, you know, the 80-20 rule applies where the human-to-human emotional connection is paramount here. Uh, depending on the context of the conversation itself, though, you might want to consider questions like, you know, hey, are you on the same page with the other people in the conversation? 
Um, do you need to write some of these, these things down and just send a quick follow-up note saying, thank you so much for your time and here's what we discussed? That might be a good idea. Um, if there are important actions that are coming out of the meeting, you might want to make sure you're on the same page with how the conversation is going to move forward from, from where you are right now. Um, not to say that anything Gabe said was just wrong. How could it be? But uh, you also want to keep those things in mind, too. <laughs> well said. Well, Gabe, thank you for sitting down with me on this Monday. I know you just got back from a, a wonderful trip with your family. What, what were some of the highlights? Um, great trip. Uh, highlight, number one highlight is just the family time. Um, you know, we love to travel with the kids. I, I love seeing the world through their eyes. Um, the, the property we stayed on was magnificent, beautiful weather, um, great food, um, you know, lots of nature as well. So really, really fun. And I think the highlight was just, you know, it was definitely a slog to get there and back a lot of time in the Mexico city airport, you know, connections and just really proud of the kids. They, they crushed it. And so that's the biggest takeaway is knowing that we can travel with them, um, is, is a wonderful thing. Did Christopher ask how many pesos did this cost? Christopher um, had a lot of conversations about pesos and conversion rates and understanding them, um, which I still don't know if he did. Hopefully he's not teaching third grade today in any conversion uh, methodology, but um, you know, we, we started at least. Well, glad you guys had a great time and I'm glad you're back here on the Trusted Partner Podcast. Great to be back. And listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Trusted Partner Podcast. We want to start answering some of your questions on the show. So if you have an investing, a financial planning, a personal finance question, send that question to podcast at cobblestonecap.com. Once again, that's podcast at cobblestonecap.com. Thank you again for listening to the Trusted Partner Podcast. Podcast.